In the name of Jesus, amen. Our Lord says, so the last will be first and the first last. For Christmas, my parents gave Erica and me tickets to go see a show at the Dr. Phillips Performing Arts Center in downtown Orlando. And so we went this past Friday, and I've never been there before, but I was really impressed. It was really large, it was elaborate, it was ornate, and one thing stood out to me and struck me. Uh, We walked in, as you walk in, you see names everywhere. So the first name was written on the staircase as you walk in. Uh, I already forgot what that name was. (laughs) But anyway, there are names on the walls, above the rooms, all over the place. And it dawned on me that these are the names of sponsors and donors. And the people who give their time, their money, their energy to this center, making it what it is. So apparently, if you give a thousand bucks, you're recognized as a, a luminary donor. I don't know, this is like an advertisement for them. And, and if you give 10000 or more, uh, $10,000 or more, you're considering a founding donor. And this is where you get your name plastered on the walls all over the place and you get a ton of recognition. So the more uh, you give, the more you donate, the more you accomplish, the bigger and more prominent your name is placed. So the leading givers are given special seats and they're even recognized in the show and called out. Uh, and pointed out, and, and the one who contributed the most receives the most, uh, the most worthy and the note, noteworthy accolade and recognition. And so I joked with Erica that if I saved up enough money, maybe one day I could get my name written on an electrical outlet on the wall or something and sponsor that. So the point is this, uh, the more you give and do and accomplish, the more recognition you're going to and ownership and reward you're going to get. And that's how this world works. Uh, If you work much, you get much. And if you work little, you get little. And you only get what you give. So that's the way the world works. That's how it must work. And it works actually very, very well. Uh, This is how every single good business runs and does their management. You can't run a business or an organization, not even a Lutheran school, on forgiveness and grace. You'll run it into the ground and you ruin the whole thing. So good employees have to be rewarded and bad employees must be let go. If you, if you follow the rules, if you put in an honest day's work, if you maintain peace in the workplace, you're a good employee and you'll get what you worked for, you'll get what's agreed upon, no questions asked. If you keep showing up late to work, if you don't do your work well, if you sow discord and strife in the workplace, if you break the rules, you're going to get fired. It's plain and simple. So hard workers get the highest Con, uh, and the highest contributors get rewarded. Uh, the underachievers or least efficient are then fired and let go. It's not harsh. It's actually fair. That's how things should work. And in fact, just think of, consider the, the alternative. Uh, do you reward those who don't work well? And do you punish those who are good employees? It's, it's nonsense. But this is how the world works. And it should work this way. And this is how things run smoothly. And we're so used to it. We see this not only in business, but in marriage, in parenthood, in friendships, in school, in sports, and in hobbies. If you want any of those things to be better, what you have to do is put in the effort. You've got to work harder at them. So it's to be expected that we sinfully apply the same mentality and model to God and his church. 
We become so accustomed to this give and take in this world, in this, our entire life, that we think of the Christian life no different than a business too. But today Jesus teaches us how his church is run, how the church is different than everything else you know in this life. He wants to show us what his kingdom is like, so he teaches this to us with a parable of workers in a vineyard. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And what follows seems to be a normal day in this vineyard. Workers are found in the morning and they're hired. They agree to work a, a, a day's work for denarius. That is a day's wage. And, and more are found at lunch and then hired. And more are found in the afternoon and they're hired. Then at dinner time, one hour before shutting down, before sundown, they find someone else. So far, so good. So the work is finished. The workers line up for their paychecks, and suddenly things go awry and get awkward. The man who works one hour is the first one in line, and he gets paid a denarius, a full day's wage. So if he's excited, the one who only worked one hour is excited to get paid for the whole day, think of how much the other guys are excited and how they're thinking and calculating this in their mind. They're thinking one denarius an hour means three for three hours, six for six, 8 for 8, 12 for 12. So, I'm going to cash out here once I get paid. And it's fair, and it's what's right. But, when it comes time for those who work the whole day to receive their wage, they open their hand and they receive the same. One denarius. And they get upset. And they're angry. And they say, they only worked one hour and you made them equal to us. We bore the burden of the day in the heat, but the master replies in this way. He says, friend, I'm doing nothing wrong. Didn't we agree upon a denarius? So take what's yours and go. I choose to give to the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do with what I want with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? The Greek of the New Testament is a lot more clear, and I think it says it a little better than the English translation. It says, instead of saying, do you begrudge my generosity, it literally says, is your eye evil because I'm good? If this parable doesn't seem fair or reasonable to you, then good. Because that means you understand it. It means you get it. You see the unfairness of it. The kingdom of heaven isn't about fairness, equity, wages, or works. The kingdom of heaven is about grace and grace alone. The kingdom of heaven isn't earned or deserved. It's not what you have coming to you. The kingdom of heaven isn't fair. It's not just and it's not right. If the kingdom of heaven were fair, then you and I would get what is fair, what we've deserved, what we've earned. Temporal and eternal death. Because the wages of sin is death. But that's not what you receive in God's vineyard. It's not what you receive in his church. In God's kingdom, the first and the last are made to be equals and they receive the same. You don't receive the reward for the work of your hands, but you receive the reward of, of the nail-pierced hands of Christ. God has called you into his vineyard to work. And so what is this work? It's nothing other than the vocation and the station in life in which God has called you. This work is nothing other than being a Christian. 
That is living your life, believing in God and loving your neighbor. Some of you are husbands. Some of you are fathers. Some of you are wives or mothers or grandmothers. Or some of you are single and some others are still children. And some of you have been working as a Christian since you were baptized as an infant. And others of you are called in at this 11th hour at the end. Yet no matter what work you've done or haven't done, no matter how long you have or haven't worked, You'll be paid not what you've earned for yourself, but what Jesus wants to give you. And the, the reward he gives is not simply silver and gold, but his holy and innocent body and blood for your forgiveness and life and salvation. You receive the gift of all the treasure of heaven because Jesus has promised to give it to you. It's not fair, it's grace. So over and over, you hear this grace preached from this pulpit. You hear it taught in Bible study. You, you see it and read it in the emails that I send, posted online, talked about all the time. Left and right here in this church, it's pounded into your ears that you're saved by grace through faith alone, that Jesus has done every single thing for you from start to finish, and that you have added not even a, a speck of dust to his work. So you hear this. And yet, at the same time, there's a small voice that won't go away. There's a small voice deep inside of you that says, this isn't really fair. Clearly, I must have done something, or clearly there's a distinction between me and everyone else. Or there's a difference because I've done so much more, I've given more, I've offered more, than others. So yeah, there has to be a difference. And there's that small voice inside of you that is constantly whining and grumbling about that. There's this voice inside of us that tells us that God and his church can't really be this way. It can't really function this way. In fact, there's a, a fancy Latin word for this in the church. It's called the opinio legis. It means it's translated as the opinion of the law. Romans 2, Romans chapter 2 says it rightly that God's law is written on our hearts and that our conscience bears witness to it. And the law is always just, the law is always fair, it's always right. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You treat others as you would, have, as you would want to be treated. That's fair and that's how things work. And so this law is good because this is exactly how this world works and you need this to live in this life. But the problem is, is that we're not very good at turning this off. We're not very good at silencing it, at least when it comes to the things of God. It's so natural to us. So this is why we're tempted to distrust God and the way that he runs his kingdom. This is why we fall back into self-righteousness and start thinking competitively and making distinctions among us. This is why so often we become discontent. This self-righteousness comes out when you ask the average nominal Christian if they're going to heaven. And they say, I hope so. And you say, why? And they say, because I'm a good person. I've tried to live a good life. I'm not perfect, but I'm not the worst. At least I'm not a murderer. So there's, there's that, all right? So you see this works righteousness come out even in churches. This happens especially in churches that have grown a lot and even have a lot of new members. You see this tension build and you note a division between old and new members. 
New members think, look, this is not my church yet. It's not really mine. It doesn't belong to me. I haven't been here that much. I haven't contributed that much. It's not, it's not mine. Old members would think, I'm fine with God giving things to other people just as long as I get more. Or I'm fine with him being gracious and all that, but as, just as long as I get my share. Or, or they think, I don't mind people joining my church just as long as their votes don't count as much as mine. I don't mind them sitting in my pews just as long as they acknowledge that this is more mine than theirs. I don't mind being in the same church and all with these newcomers, but just as long as I get the respect and honor and recognition that I deserve since I've been here longer. This also happens when Christians support the church more with their offering and are able to give more in their tithing than others. They fall into the temptation of thinking that they've earned a place in this church. And it happens when some volunteer more than others or work harder than others, when they see the latecomers and when they see them not volunteer or give as much as they are. So they think to themselves, I deserve to be treated better than the others. I'm a lifelong Lutheran. I'm a lifelong Christian. I've worked harder and given way more to this church or any church than these people who just showed up five minutes ago. So many are fine with God being gracious to others and giving them a place in this church. But they become angry when they have to be seen as their equals. They get upset when the first and the last are treated exactly the same. So if this is you, if you've ever thought any of this, if you've ever felt like you're losing control or influence of the church, if you've ever thought that you earned or deserved more than your neighbor next to you here today, then repent. The church isn't yours, and the church isn't mine, the church isn't theirs, and it's not even ours. The church is God's. So repent of these wicked and worldly thoughts. Because if you want ownership and you want recognition and you want your name on the seats and on the walls, then give your money to this world and they will give you what you deserve there. They will give, give you what you've paid for. But here in this church, repent and learn that you will not get what you deserve, but you will get what Jesus has promised to give you, his forgiveness of every single one of your self-righteous thoughts and every ounce of your discontent and anger at how God blesses others and how he is gracious and merciful to those around you. Repent because God chooses to give to the last and to the least the same he chooses to give to you the first and the most. Repent and confess that none of you, not even me, are here because we deserve to be. We're not here because we've earned it. None of us are here because we earned a place at this church or at this altar or at this font. Each and every one of us is here by grace and grace through faith alone. Not by our own reason or strength, but because the Holy Spirit has called us by the gospel. So the truth is none of this this entire sermon is not meant to make you feel good about yourself or build your self-esteem. But it is intended to make you rejoice in the unending and undying love and the abounding generosity of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is not about fairness. 
It's about forgiveness. It's not about wages and works. It's about the work of Christ's death and resurrection for all of you. So, Dear saints, for those of you who were here first, don't exalt yourself over anyone in God's vineyard because of your time or talents or even your piety. Don't become discontent or envious because of God's grace and generosity. Don't let your eyes become evil because God is good. Rather, repent and rejoice in God's gracious forgiveness for you. For those of you who are last, who have been called by God here in this final hour, don't despair because of the small number of your good works and your little time here in this church. God is gracious and he chooses to give to you the same that he has given to all. If you're tempted to think at any moment that you don't deserve to be here because you've given little and can't do much, remember the thief on the cross who was saved in the last minute of his life. This should give you hope that even in your final and dying breaths, God doesn't desire your death and condemnation, but he longs for your eternal salvation. Even more, take heart in the fact that God is so gracious and generous that he gives the treasure of heaven even to infants. Yes, even to little Martin and little Vaughn, the youngest among us, who haven't even lifted a finger or done or given a thing. He's chosen to win for them a place in heaven and carve their names forever into the book of life. And if God is so gracious and kind to give eternal life even to helpless little children, then he'll be gracious and kind to you. He doesn't give you what you deserve. He gives you what he promised. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how many good works you have and to, to your name, no matter how much you've donated and volunteered, no matter how old or young you might be, you're here in this church because God loves you, because he calls you by his gospel, because he's gracious. No matter how much or little your hands have accomplished, Jesus places the same reward in them today, his very body and blood given for you. God brings people into his church when and where he pleases, and he does so at different times. Some of you were first, and some of you are last. But you're all equals in this church, equals in God's kingdom. He gives to each one of you the same measure of his grace, the same measure of his spirit, the same measure of his baptism, the same measure of his forgiveness and his life and salvation. You're here because he called you into his kingdom to receive the wage of Christ's righteousness earned for you. So do good to everyone while you have the opportunity. And in due time, you'll reap your reward. Amen. Since Christ has full atonement made and brought to us salvation, each Christian therefore may be glad and build on this foundation. Thy grace alone, dear Lord, I plead, thy death is now my life indeed, for thou hast paid my ransom. Faith clings to Jesus' cross alone and rests in him unceasing, and by its fruit, true faith is known, with love and hope increasing. Yet faith alone doth justify, works serve the neighbor, and supply that proof, the proof that faith is living. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.